Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. But you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. The Biden-Harris plan is a step-by-step recipe for abolishing America's borders. In the Biden-Bernie manifesto, Joe Biden promises to restore and expand catch and release across the entire U.S. border. You believe that? We just got rid of it. Four years ago, I never thought I'd say anything could compete with 2016. This election that we're going into is the most important election in the history of our country. Because we had crooked Hillary, but this is something these people are sick. And we have to make sure that this radical left, socialist, and beyond, because this is beyond socialism, this is, it's a, this is beyond socialism, that it doesn't happen, or we will indeed have Venezuela on steroids. So we can't do it. Most important election, November 3rd, get out. I think this week is going to be great for the Trump campaign and the RNC and the White House to let the American people see exactly what the policies are, what America is. And here's what they want. They want death and destruction. They want the death of the American economy and the destruction of the American way of life. And I think if that's highlighted by the end of the week, it'll smoke Joe Biden out of his basement. He's going to have to stop doing the proof of life podcast and get on the hustings and prove that he could take on Donald Trump, because I think the policies themselves will blow this election out. Welcome to War Room Pandemic. It's Wednesday, August the 19th, the year of our Lord, 2020, broadcasting live from Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Jack Maxi Vishbura, Raheem Kassam here in studio on America's Voice.News on the John Fredericks Radio Network, blown through the CCP's firewall, subtitled in Mandarin by G News and G TV. And of course, later on in the day on Newsmax TV, I'm Raheem Kassam. Let's bring in Stephen K. Bannon. Steve? Yeah, Raheem, I think last night proves the point. I want to hear you and, uh, and Jack and Vish and uh, your commentary, your analysis. But last night uh, proved to me that the, uh, the globalists still control the Democratic Party, the Biden campaign. It, it was pretty shocking. They had, and I guess they think this works, but to me, it's a perfect opening for the populism and economic nationalism and America first national security policy of Donald J. Trump. This is really going to rerun the 16 playbook. The, the, the Democrats and the permanent political class of the Republican Party, to use Pat Cadell's favorite phrase, are like the Bourbons back in France. They've learned nothing and they've forgotten nothing. I was shocked last guys last night, guys, and the neoliberalism, the neocon, the kind of dismissal of AOC. I mean, they've put together the perfect package 
to destroy the American economy and destroy the American way of life. It's neoliberal economics, neocon foreign policy, without taking any of Bernie's kind of populism, but just adding in the cultural Marxism and Antifa type of anarchy as their social justice cause. This is a cocktail that, one, can't be sold, and number two, can't be drunk because it's a poison chalice. I am stunned that the Democrats, and I've been very complimentary of the Biden campaign, but the cards are on the table. I'm very glad on Sunday I said, hey, don't go after their personalities. Just let them come forward with their policies. And last night, to bring out Colin Powell, McCain, the whole crowd, John Kerry, Bill Clinton, uh, and talk about their policies, this is the disaster that buried the United States financially, that buried the United States in national security. Remember, we had the greatest concentration of wealth ever in American history during the Biden-Obama years. We also had this horrible a combination of the failed foreign policy in the Middle East coupled with a failed pivot to Asia, where Joe Biden didn't confront China, Joe Biden kowtowed to China. And so all the factories, all the jobs, everything to Bernie economic nationalists. And look, we, we know we're partisans. This show, War and Pandemic, was set up to reach out to the economic nationalists, the union, the blue-collar workers of the Bernie movement. They've stuck with us the entire time. And last night, hey, you got it with both barrels, from John Kerry, Bill Clinton, uh, Colin Powell, the whole crowd of them. Oh, yeah, and they tucked in AOC for her 60-second her uh, shot. But right now, you know, this is a glorification of NAFTA. This is a glorification of all the failed neocon policies in the Middle East. This is a glorification of every trade deal. This is why Joe Biden says the first thing he's going to do to confront China is join TPP. He's going to go back to the failed multilateralism that hasn't worked and give up on the America first nationalism that has Modi in India, Abe in Japan, the prime minister of Australia at our side with Bolsonaro in Brazil. So, guys, I w- I'd like to hear your take on it. But to me, now the cards are on the table. This is exactly what Donald Trump, this is why he's president of the United States. The managed decline by a political class with their paymasters on Wall Street and corporate America. Okay? They haven't changed at all. In fact, they're trying to jam it down your throat. Again, with some kind of group hug. He's a nice guy. We're going to have social justice, Black Lives Matter, all that. Okay? What they're doing, they have a substrate of radicalism, cultural Marxism, and anarchy, and on top, it's the same policies. It's the misdirection play for the young people to go, get back to these neoliberal, neocon policies. And remember, if you're under 30, the reason your economics are no better than a 19th century Russian surf is exactly what you saw last night. Guys, I'd love to have your analysis, but I gotta tell you, President Trump, and I'm so glad he was at Yuma, that was another tell. To have McCain on there, this they've fully gone into the Lincoln Project strategy. They're so focused on the 5% or 6 or 7 or 8% of the Republican, old guard Republican establishment, they think they can peel off, They're so, particularly in places like Arizona. They're so focused on that that they will just dismiss the Bernie vote. And it was that Bernie, Bernie vote that was critical to putting Donald Trump over the top in 2016, and now it's in play. Because I think if you're a Bernie voter... What you saw last night is what's going to be jammed down your throat every day. Raheem, Jack, Vish. It was uh, it was a complete kick in the face 
for the Bernie Sanders wing uh, of the Democrat Party last night. Um, and I want to come back to, to, to that in just a second. But what stuck out to me, Steve, similarly to what you said, this was neoliberalism and neoconservatism with a patina of social justice over the top of it. And that's what they were trying to get away with last night. That's what they were trying to get away with the night before. And we'll hear time and time again, I'm sure, over the next couple of days, all these continuous sob stories and guilt trips and appeals to emotion that we've seen over the last couple of days. But I just want to, I mean, I'm a bit too young and a bit too foreign to remember Colin Powell being Colin Powell when he was uh, in, in office here in the United States. But it occurred to me to go back and look at something that he had written back in 1989. Colin Powell wrote these 13 rules of leadership. And I want to draw Colin Powell's attention back to some of his own rules of leadership. Number five in particular, which reads, be careful what you choose. You may get it, Jack. Well, I think he may be getting it. And I think the whole country may be getting it here if we don't reelect Donald Trump. I think one of the things that struck me most of all was half of the rhinos who came up there were basically trying to convince us that the left-wing part of the uh, Democratic Party really was not going to get anything that they wanted. So... In effect, you had one group of people talking about, particularly Ocasio-Cortez when she came out and uh, supported Bernie Sanders in the nomination process. They have them talking about all these crazy leftist things that they're going to accomplish, and then they bring in Republican rhinos to convince us that that's not really going to happen. This is a party trying to ride a rail, and on either side of it, there is disaster for the American people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and another thing is, I think... Just the the overwhelming meme of of this is decent Joe. This is decent Joe. Look what he's able to do. It's a complete gaslight to um, on the American people to not, to basically get them to forget that this is a neoliberal neocon consensus coming together in order to try and defeat Donald Trump. I don't think the American public will be misled. In but, 2016, they saw through it. In 2020, but, 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 they will but, see through but, it. But, 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 Vish, but, Vish, but, but, Vish, hang on for a second. This is where I keep saying, hey, set aside Trump's personality, but let's talk about it. These are tough times. These are unprecedented. We're going to have an anthropologist on with this great article in Rolling Stone about the unraveling of America. He's making the argument the, America, the American era is over. He's saying this is the toughest time in maybe all of American history, but certain modern American history, in tough times, you need a tough guy. Joe Biden is a pie. That's what this whole thing about reach across the reach across the aisle. What they did last night is not reach across the aisle for consensus, reach across the aisle for failed policies that basically destroyed America. Okay, the managed decline of our country by our elites was on full display last night. And Joe Biden is he is the nice guy and he is a wimp. Why do you think she pushed him around? Right now, in the second section of the show, we're going to Bill Gertz on. She's on the ropes right now. Everybody mocked us and laughed about it and all that. The Guardian and other newspapers are talking about this intense power struggle. Why? Because Donald Trump is dropping the hammer on our enemies. You think Joe Biden's going to do that? There are pitching Joe Biden as a nice guy. These are tough times. You want some guy you want to have a beer with in your backyard, then Biden's your guy. If you want to have a leader who's going to sit up and throw down that's Donald J. Trump. And I think now you can put this in, 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 in super highlights. Let Biden be the nice, hapless old guy, because that's what he is. He's a hapless. He has no earthy idea what he's doing here. And to go back and talk about these policies, to me, particularly the, 
These are failed policies. This is not going back to some time in American history that was great. The $9 trillion in the Middle East with the bipartisanship of John McCain. NATO atrophying. Why? Because we didn't make those countries stand up and start to try to defend themselves, particularly Germany, start to pay the freight so America doesn't have to take the entire burden. That's what President Trump's done in America first. So I think what they're doing is selling. They think that's what America wants. They think suburban housewives want a nice guy. I happen to think suburban housewives want safety. They want the American way of life. And they want somebody that's going to stand up for America, stand up for them, stand up for their kids in a world of people like the mullahs, like the leaders of Pakistan, like the leaders of North Korea, like President Xi, like Putin, like Erdogan. These are bad hombres, okay? And they're tough guys. You may not like Donald Trump's house style, but trust me, he's the tough guy you want in the room pushing these guys back. So, Raheem, jump in here. I know. I, can we play your clip from Laura Ingram last night? I thought you were trying to go faux Bannon on me. It's rolled. My uh, agent was about to call you and say, "Hey, did you it, cease and desist?" <laughs> Let's roll it. <laughs> trying to win this election, right? That's what we're trying to look for, the signs of whether or not the Democrats actually can win this election. You hear so much emotion today, lots and lots of pathos, some of it even genuine, but you didn't hear much logos, nothing much in terms of policy, nothing much in terms of substance, and certainly you didn't see, Laura, ethos. I mean, you look at the rejects that were lined up there, whether it was Kasich yesterday or Colin Powell uh, today and Sally Yates, who was, wait, fired for opposing something that the president of the United States was elected to do just very recently after she decided that it was on her to stop it happening. And then, of course, Bill Clinton. I mean, what a time to put Bill Clinton uh, up on stage. So for me, when you look at all of those three things and you see that they're just purely focusing on the emotive side of things, that's a misjudgment. It's a dangerous misjudgment by the Democrat Party. They've got to look at their consultants and the people running their campaigns again, I think, because they just don't get it. They don't understand that this country wants to see action right now. There are three words this country cares about, and it's action, action, action. And if the RNC is going to learn any lessons from what we've seen over the last two days, it's to get away from this telethon-style format and look to a more action-based format. Don't get enough Aristotle on TV nowadays, Steve. Uh, Raheem, it is the 10 o'clock slot on Fox News. I'm just kidding. Uh, why are you not that good on this show? Why are you saving <laughs> your best stuff for Laura? You're trying to be the. Uh, if I was Raymond Aurora, I'd be looking over my shoulder, right? You're bringing your A game. No, and by the way, you summed it up perfectly. It's all, it's all emotion with no logic and no power in back of it of exactly in these troubled times yeah. what we're going to do. We've got a break here, Steve, but I will just say uh, the reason I bring the heat to Laura's show is she's a slightly better muse than what I have to look at in studio here at the War Room. We'll be right back. More War Room pandemic after this break. War Room pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. A little programming note as well, Steve. The National Pulse's show kicks off at 3 p.m. today on America's Voice, so people can hang over and watch that as well. Steve? So hold it. Now we're taking backseat to Laura Ingram and the National Pulse. So we get the... Uh, we get the uh, scraps. No, I'm just kidding. Raheem, you only bring A game. 
Uh, and speaking about and speaking about a game, it's our entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs are going to lead us through this economic firestorm. Look, they're back in D.C. They're coming back to negotiate the fourth phase of the deal, as we said they would be. But if you're an entrepreneur, you need every tool in the toolbox to be part of the vanguard. Whether your company's one million dollars in revenue or hundred million, you need NetSuite by Oracle. Oracle is the number one on the cloud. NetSuite's number one among entrepreneurs. Go to netsuite.com/bannon today to get the seven action steps every entrepreneur should be taking. Vish, let's hear the voice of our president before we bring in Brother Gertz. Roll it. Of corn in history. They uh, last week they purchased the two largest days in the history of corn purchase and uh, a massive amount of, co- of soybeans, also cattle. So China's been buying a lot of, a lot of things, uh, and they're doing that to keep me happy, but they're dreaming about Joe Biden. They would love to have that happen, but I don't think that's going to happen. They are dreaming about him, and so is Iran dreaming about Joe, and so are numerous other countries. They dream about it because if that happens, they'll own the United States. And China, I can tell you, specifically will own the United States. That's a harsher, I tell you, that's harsher than anything that even Steve Bannon said, that China will own the United States. And you got to listen to President Trump. There's this beatdown he's given China and the Chinese Communist Party. has started to have big fissures over there. We're going to bring our next guest in, Bill Gerst. But remember, this goes back to the first part of this segment. The neoliberal, neocon policies of a failed elite was on full display last night. And that's what they want to go back to. They want to go to back to nice guy Joe Biden being rolled by the Chinese Communist Party. Look, the Chinese Communist Party are no different than Mussolini and the fascists in the 30s, no different than Hitler and the Nazis, no different than the military junta that took over Japan. These are gangsters, okay? They think like gangsters, they roll like gangsters. And if you want some sad sack uncle that you want to have a beer with in a backyard barbecue, then Joe Biden's your guy. If you don't, then you guys think about, do you want a tough guy representing you? And that's what President Trump has done. The full beatdown on the Chinese Communist Party. want to bring in Bill Gertz. But just like a mafia family bill, now the Guardian and other newspapers are starting to talk about people are coming forward, just not defectors that are coming to Miles Guo's whistleblower program, just not defectors coming out of these labs in Hong Kong and Wuhan. But this is now the elite of the Chinese Communist Party in public is starting to turn on each other just like this looks like the scene out of the godfather right where they had the five families and they start the war can you tell our audience particularly this guardian story what exactly is going on now in beijing are they turning on each other and is she in trouble yeah it appears that uh xi jinping is in trouble uh this is a very significant development a, a senior party official her name is uh sai sha and she is uh, broken with the party. She's been expelled for, believe it or not, criticizing Xi Jinping. But more importantly, I think, she has said that there is widespread disaffection within the party over the consolidation of party, the purges that have been underway by Xi Jinping. I think it's a reflection of President Trump's hardline policies and, and uh, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's hardline policies. I think the, there are voices in the party which are starting to recognize that uh, this is a, a mafia state. Uh, these uh, families are corrupt. Uh, they're stealing from the Chinese people. And uh, there's, there's growing opposition uh, to this uh, massive dictatorship that Xi Jinping has set up. 
Listen, nothing in your nothing that is going on right now will have a bigger impact in your life than what's going on in Beijing. This is why I said on Maria Bartiromo the other day, the path to victory here for President Trump, for the nationalists, for the populace, goes right through Beijing. And what you're seeing, I think with this woman, there's two things going on. Number one, you have the new federal state of China. You have other organizations kind of like that. You have this whistleblower movie, you have Miles Guo, GTV, all of that. Their thesis is take down the CCP. You have people like this woman. I think there's a civil war going on in the Chinese Communist Party just about who's going to run it, not actually taking it down. Either case, these are positive movements for President Trump. Remember, this week in The Economist, The Economist has got the cover story, Bill, about how great she is, how he's built an incredible economy, how he handled the, the, the pandemic better than anybody, how the economy's coming roaring back and puts on notice the critics and particularly the super hawks and ultra hawks in the West and specifically in the United States saying we're dead wrong. Guess what? We're not dead wrong. I went and talked at the 175th uh, anniversary of the uh, of the um, Economist uh, news magazine. I went after the editor about their weakness and their kowtowing on China. So, Bill, I want to say, do you think this is just people going at each other about who's going to control the Chinese Communist Party? Or do you think this is the beginning of the end of the Chinese Communist Party? I see the current period as analogous to the uh, late 80s and early 90s, where everyone in the world, except the CIA, recognized that the Soviet Union was uh, on the ash, headed for the ash heap of history. I think that there is widespread disaffection. I think because of uh, the secrecy at the top there, we don't have a real good uh, view of what's going on there. Uh, there was just another CIA officer prosecuted uh, for, as a Chinese spy out in Hawaii this week. Uh, so I think things are pretty unstable there, but again, it's very hard to tell. We, we don't have good visibility into the uh, uh, Zhongnan High. We don't know what happened at their big summer meeting with the leadership, but clearly uh, Xi Jinping's ability over the last eight years to brutally consolidate power has created a widespread opposition to his rule, both within the party and of course among the Chinese people who who hate the Chinese Communist Party. They view the Communist Party as just a, a corrupt uh, political entity, as you said, like, like the mafia. Hey, by the way, Miles Guo, uh, General Spaulding, Bill Gertz, you wait what happens. I call this the law of unintended consequences. One of the big pressures I think he's getting in the senior cadre of the Chinese Communist Party and among the Chinese people is about this virus. And that's where Dr. Yan and these other whistleblowers, Giuseppe Trito, when they start honing down on Wuhan in the lab, this is one of the things that's making Xi so weak, is exactly what happened, how it got out, how it devastated the Chinese economy. Okay, Bill, before we go, it really unreported this week, except for some of the economic news, is what President Trump's doing on Huawei. He's delivering another hammer blow. Can you walk us through that? Yes. Uh, the Commerce Department issued new rules on 38 subsidiaries of Huawei Technologies, the big state-run telecommunications company. The goal of this operation was basically to close loopholes. And what it's going to do is going to prevent Huawei from purchasing not just U.S. chips, but foreign chips that have U.S. technology in them. And this is going to be a major blow uh, to Huawei, which again is out to corner the world market on 5G technology. So this was a very significant step. Uh, the Chinese have threatened some unspecified retaliation. Uh, again, going after some of the American tech companies. We'll have to see how this plays out. 
Bill, just one last thing before you go. If you were if you were in the Oval today talking to President Trump, given your 30-plus years of following this story about the Chinese Communist Party, what would be your recommendation to him, particularly since we haven't heard the C word, the China word, in any of the talks by the Democratic Party? What would be your recommendation to him? Uh, you know, I would say uh, let's move forward on recognizing Taiwan. Again, that's probably the most controversial thing the president could do. But let's face it, I think that this is a... A, uh, in the aftermath of the Hong Kong uh, takeover by China, that uh, the U.S. should develop closer relations with Taiwan. I think that would be sending a strong signal. Again, and the president has continued to keep these tough policies going. And again, I would also praise Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who has really been the leader. And of course, he's been vilified in the Chinese press, but he's doing uh, tremendous things to orient U.S. policy. And again, the Justice Department, Commerce Department, uh, full speed ahead. That's what I say. I think we, we would continue this path and really let the Democrats know that, uh, as, you, as you said, we're all China hawks now. It's not just a Republican issue. It should be both Republican and Democrats. I know it's a Bernie Sanders supporter economic nationalist issue. Thank you, Bill Gertz from The Washington Times. Bill, we'll get your Twitter feed and everything up so people can get more access to your writings. Absolutely brilliant analysis. Thanks, Steve. Hey, Raheem, uh, Vish, Jack, I want to make sure the War Room Pandemic Posse, hashtag War Room Pandemic, I want to make sure we're hearing your voices on the live stream on Facebook. I want to hear all your questions, your observations, because I think the Democrats had a real tell last night. They want to go back to the failed policies of the political elite and the permanent political class versus America first, particularly the confrontation of the Chinese Communist Party and the breaking of the back of the business model of the party of Davos. Raheem, Jack, back to you guys. Go ahead, Jack. Well, you know, I was looking at that article from the Guardian, Kiazia. One of the things that she said, which I thought was so important, was that she blamed Z for knowing about the virus on the 7th and not doing anything about it till the 20th. The one thing I'm a little worried about is that this is a dogpile on Z that saves the CCP, but just eliminates him. I know you spoke to that. But one of the things I also thought was important that she said the number one thing that needs to be done for China right now is to tear down the firewall so that people can see what's going on in the world. She also said that she thinks that the movement towards democracy is an inevitable historical uh, mandate, and she doesn't think that we're going to be able to avoid it. So that's all positive in my mind. 30 seconds, Steve. Yeah, Jack, I think it's absolutely, I think what you're seeing here is that I think what they're going to try to come forward with is a Gorbachev-type figure as a reformer. They understand Wuhan was a biological Chernobyl, and how do they try to make up for this? What she's arguing for, I think, is what you just said, rearranging the deck chairs in the Chinese Communist yeah. Party, have a better face to the Chinese people, give a little bit of reform into the world. And if you have any questions, ladies and gentlemen, it's hashtag War Room Pandemic in the live stream on YouTube, on Facebook, on Parler, on Twitter. We're watching all the time. Want your feedback, questions, queries, criticisms, critiques. We'll be right back in just a second. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to War Room Pandemic, broadcasting live from Capitol Hill. Vish Jack Maxi, Raheem Kassam here in studio. Over now to Stephen K. Bannon.
Yeah, you know, yesterday the Japanese uh, announced the worst decline in GDP since World War II. You've got the President of the United States continues to hammer the Chinese Communist Party in China on technology. You have a massive decoupling going underway right now. Huge pressure on the U.S. dollar. Look, this is a fourth turning. We're in turbulent times. As we said since the beginning of the show months ago, the vanguard that's going to lead us through the turbulent times are entrepreneurs. And if you're an entrepreneur, you need every tool in the toolbox. The tool you need is the software package, NetSuite by Oracle. Remember, Oracle is the number one platform for the cloud. NetSuite's the number one tool for entrepreneurs. Go to netsuite.com slash Bannon today to get your seven action steps every entrepreneur should be taking and you get a site tour. That's NetSuite by Oracle. Vish, let's start this segment before we bring in our honored guest. I got to hear the voice of William Jefferson Clinton. Can you play that clip for us? Roll it. You know what Donald Trump will do with four more years? Blame, bully, and belittle. And you know what Joe Biden will do? Build back better. It's Trump's us versus them America against Joe Biden's America, where we all live and work together. It's a clear choice. The future of our country is riding on it. Thank you. So uh, William Jefferson Clinton talking about bullying. I was very honored to take, I think it was six or eight years of my life to make sure that Hillary Clinton was not the 45th president of the United States. And we worked for years on that project to show Clinton cash, the corruption, uh, the incompetence, the the greed of the Clintons. Uh, But what always struck me as the most is that, and particularly in the last couple of years, they had this Me Too movement and the the Time's Up movement. And I was the first, I think, to call it to say, hey, Time's Up is really – the end of the patriarchy. That's what this is going to be about. But the, the times up, the, the uh, Me Too movement that's kind of a subset of that is a dem- dynamic force in American politics. And what stunned me last night is that the Democratic Party, for all this talk of being social justice warriors and all that, they had a guy who is a proven sexual predator on national television to talk about bullying and to talk about Donald J. Trump. It was absolutely stunning. So we reached out to some old friends and colleagues. We've got Paula Jones now uh, live. Paula, just to refresh people's memories, what's your, how do you know Bill Clinton, and, 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 and what do you think of former President Clinton? Huh. Well, <laughs> I worked at the state capitol in Arkansas, and I was asked to go over and um, help out with the Governor's Quality Management Conference. And he was the governor, and um, he bullied me. He's talking about Bill, uh, uh, Donald Trump being a bully. He bullied me. He, he's a sexual predator. And now I, I, I can't believe that this is a platform for the DNC. But then again, it doesn't. nothing surprises me. It just gets worse and worse. Uh, but that's how I knew him. And I, I could care less if I ever talked about him again. <laughs> Well, Paula, here's what I don't understand. You have last night, they're all social justice warriors. The Me Too movement is so powerful in the Democratic Party. They're out there all the time talking about it. How do you, particularly somebody, and you just call him a sexual predator. To me, that's a pretty strong term. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you square a guy who's a sexual predator and then, I would say, more than bullied you, intimidated you, and really destroyed your life? Yeah. How do you square that with what the Democratic Party is trying to sell the American people? Well, I mean, they have to come up with something, and I, and, I mean, that's their their party is full of those, these kind of people. And I'm, I mean, this is my opinion, okay? <laughs> um, 
they think it's okay to be, I guess, a sexual predator. I, I don't know, but Bill Clinton was a, is a sexual predator. Look at the many women that have come out and have been proven that he has done stuff to them. He abused his power of office to uh, lure women to wherever he was at, at a different function or wherever, so they could he could do whatever he wanted to with them. Well, you know. I, I don't understand how any woman and the Me Too movement, supposedly, with um, the the liberals, I mean, none of them reached out to me during the Me Too movement. If I was a liberal, now that would have made a big difference, but I wasn't. I was a conservative against their liberal man, and uh, so I wasn't important or I wasn't um, one of their, you know, typical people that they wanted to support. So I don't understand how they can call these things out to Donald Trump, and they don't even talk about anything good that Donald Trump has done in the last four years that all of these different ones, Pelosi, um, Biden, they've been in office for 100 years, and they haven't done anything good for this country. And Donald Trump has done the wonderful things in the last just four years that they can only dream of, of, of doing. And I don't know how they keep getting in office. And I know I'm just rambling and carrying on. <laughs> but I, this is how I feel. It's just amazing how they can have a platform to, of, of a predator, you know, that's going to go up there and say, vote for our party. We're going to make America, you know, wonderful or whatever. It's, it's amazing to me. It, it's insanity. Paula, one last question about tonight they're going to have Hillary Clinton on. You're, you're going to go down in American political history because there's no doubt that there's no doubt that that St. Louis debate where you and your other colleagues that that Bill Clinton had been a sexual predator against showed up and confronted him on national TV the first time he's ever been confronted. We now know from reading the books it rattled the uh, Clinton campaign to their core. She was off message. She never really recovered from that. She tonight is going to go up on national TV and talk about how great she would have been. Could Bill Clinton have been a sexual predator unless he had Hillary Clinton at his side who was covering for him? Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree that she knew everything that was going on. It was just a political marriage. Still is. Um, I mean, they were helping each other out, and uh, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, she allowed him and knew exactly what he was doing, you know, and that's that's how he was able to get away with what he did. She would go out and she would squash the victims and and uh, bully them uh, and and scare them to where they would shut their mouths and not talk about what their husband her husband was out doing, and and it, it it's just disgusting. Paul, I want to thank you, and I want to say, you know, as we said before, uh, from the American people, your life was destroyed by Bill Clinton. But, uh, you know, you're a tough person. You're a good person. You're an American patriot. Really want to thank you for standing up and confronting Clinton how many times. It's absolutely stunning to me and breathtaking during the Me Too era that Bill Clinton could get a national platform to come out and spew his stuff. When there are women out there that have not had their day on really in national media to confront him as he should be confronted. So, Paula, really thank you for coming on. I know it takes a lot of bravery, and it's, it's something that uh, – you're hesitant to do, but you're 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 a great American. Yeah, and this should concern all women, women. Period. Not no political lines. This just should concern them that he is allowed to go up there and represent their party. It's amazing, Paula Jones. Thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. Thank you for having me.
Guys, I got to tell you, it's, uh, the courage of her and Juanita Broderick and the others that that Bill Clinton was a sexual predator. But Raheem, Jack, you got to help me out here. How can they pot? The hypocrisy is so stunning. How can you have an? How can AOC? You know, and look, I'm I don't agree with her policies, but I'm an AOC fan. I've said that for a long time. I think she's got a certain, uh, you know, a certain something about her that's star power. How can she go on there in the same night and agree to go on there? When you've got somebody who's a who's a sexual predator, forget all this current stuff. I'm talking about from people, women who have come forward and said that they were Juanita Broder accuses him of rape. Paula Jones accuses him of being a sexual predator. They accuse him of not just bullying, but really destroying their lives, using po- the office of state, using state power to try to destroy their lives. So, guys, help me out here. How can they think they can get away with that when there are people out there? I mean, to me, that's why I got so angry last night and wanted to get Juanita and Paula on here to say this is just not acceptable. You can't give a guy a national platform and then not have the counterparty up here to talk about it. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, Steve, one of the other things is the reason they had him up there to talk about this was because they can't talk about China with uh, with uh, Bill Clinton up on the dais. They just can't. They can't have him in the same uh, sentence as China because if we want to talk about the defense posture and some of the problems that we have where China's concerned, Steve, Let's go back to 1999 and his agreement to allow the Commerce Department to let Loral Space Systems share our ballistic missile technology with the Chinese Communist Party. And I'm just going to read something from the Senate committee hearing that looked into this, which blamed Clinton for removing the responsibility to share this technology with third parties from the Department of Defense and gave it to the uh, Department of Commerce. Now, this is from the committee report in 1999. The committee concludes that the technical information transferred during satellite launch campaigns enables the PRC to improve its present and future space launch vehicles and ICBMs because such analysis and methodologies are also applicable to the development of other missile systems. The committee believes that where practicable, the PRC will use the transferred information to improve its short-range ballistic missiles, intermediate-range ballistic missiles, and related technology. These missiles could threaten U.S. forces stationed in Japan and Korea, as well as allies in the region. In the past, the PRC has peripherated these weapons and their related technology to potential U.S. adversaries, such as Iran, and to countries such as Pakistan, where the presence of advanced weapons increases regional instability. Thank you very much, Bill Clinton, sexual predator, running dog for the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, and Steve, I, I just want to bring yeah, it. Yeah, no, d- you know, by the way, d- go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Raheem. All right. Um, oh, no, no. See, listen, WTO, while he was doing Monica, you know, he was doing all these terrible things with Monica Lewinsky. He'd already been the sexual predator. You're absolutely right, Jack. WTO, most favored nations. They had the Chinese generals walking in there with bags full of cash into the into the, uh, into the the White House. This is, this is something to talk about. And his buddy... Uh, Bernie Schwartz over Laurel was selling basically our defense secrets to the Chinese that then gave them to North Korea, Pakistan, Iran, etc. One of the reasons, you know, 25, 20 years later, that's why this consolidation of the Eurasian landmass, they're so powerful militarily. This was all on Bill Clinton's watch, and you're absolutely correct. That Senate report kind of got buried later on, but this is what Clinton did. This is why he can't talk about substance, and they allow a sexual predator to go on there and not have any of his accusers to give him equal time. 
And we do have to play this clip, Steve, I think, of the CNN panel discussing this and getting cut short, talking about Bill Clinton, why Bill Clinton hasn't been cancelled yet. We don't have time in this, uh, in this segment, but we'll come to it at the beginning of the next. But I want to get back to this, right? It's about ethos. It's about where is the ethos of the Democrat Party. And you heard it from Paula Jones uh, there. You heard it from Jack Maxey on the CCP and the missiles and all of that as well. And you look at, you know, I said it on Laura last night. You look at the story and the photos that get dropped of Bill Clinton yesterday. You know, he's getting a, he's getting a massage from a, some a 22-year-old, one of these one of these young girls that was running with uh, Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell and that crowd. And you just think to yourself, does the Democratic Party of America have any self-awareness? And does AOC have any self-respect? Would a self-respecting social justice warrior, somebody who pretends or portends to fight and champion for women's rights, be sharing a platform? It was the same party platform last night. Would she be sharing a platform with a sexual predator like Bill Clinton if she had any realistic, uh, uh, guaranteed, and authentic uh, ethics about her? I think not. There is no, there is no excuse for it. There is no part in my mind where you could tell me, hey, you get a national platform for 60 seconds to endorse somebody who's not going to be the president anyway. Oh, but we're going to give a really bigger platform to this guy that supposedly stands for everything you stand against, Steve. It's disgusting. It's an insight into who they are as a party. It's an insight into the compromises they're willing to make. And don't even get me started on where Kamala Harris is supposed to stand on this because Kamala Harris is going to run in this election as the vice presidential candidate, pretending that she's an ally of women and sharing a platform and allowing Bill Clinton to pump her up over the course of this campaign. It's outrageous. We'll be right back in just a second. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. I, I am dumbfounded by this bill. How, how is it that Bill Clinton has not been canceled by the Democratic? How has he survived all of these waves of cancellation when he has been one of the biggest violators of these rules all these years? I mean, we, we talked last night about the use of character. We talked, about, we talked about the Second use of, chance. listen, we talked about the use of character to try to say Donald Trump is a man of low character, Joe Biden is. Okay, fine. Trump is fine. If that's, that's, he's fair game on that. It's totally fine. So you're going to say that in one breath and then say, character matters. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Clinton. I mean, does this make sense to anyone? If you want Republicans to vote for Joe Biden, having Bill Clinton talk about character and not oh having God. drama how, how in the Oval Office, is that the right this? answer? Okay, this has already been asked and answered decades ago. The point is that Bill Clinton is excellent at explaining stuff, especially the things that matter to everyday people. Like oh, he's excellent jobs. at things. That's Bill true. Clinton, <laughs> Bill Clinton's administration was an incredible job creator. They did an incredible job at reducing the deficit. He ended up with a surplus. So he's going to talk about the things that everyday citizens care about in the great way that, and use the, his great way of explaining it to make sure that people understand the reality that Democrats are better on the economy. I didn't hear an answer there about the point that was being made about Bill Clinton and his activities. That was a really fascinating pivot there, Steve. But, but, Van but, Jones but, 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 talking Raheem, about redemption. Raheem, it's also... It, yeah, 
you, you got listen. It's also the response they shut the guy down is total nonsense. The factory started to leave. Bill Clinton is the first of the globalists. That's why when he and Hillary left office broke and they needed money, it was the Clinton Global Initiative. Not anything about American patriotism, not anything about the United States, the Clinton Global Initiative. He's the, he's the railhead of the globalization project. That's when the factory started going. This nonsense that he can explain it, it's just the political elite in their spin of neoliberal policies that destroy the working class. If Bill Clinton was so great for the working class, why did all the jobs ship over to China when he did most favored nation, WTO, and basically kissed Beijing's ass, okay? And allowed cash to come over here, our military technology to go. This is when it started. This is when the unraveling really started was under Bill Clinton. So this happy talk that he can explain it because nobody ever punches back on him. Everybody says how smart Bill Clinton is. I don't think Bill Clinton's that smart. I've never heard him say anything that intelligent. It's all spin. But the guy was right. And Brahim, they cut him off in a second saying, oh, you know, he can explain economics. He can explain global politics to people. No, and that's no, the spin we no. want. Steve, I don't think it upholds, but his point is well taken. Hey, you have Clinton talking about character. Now, Steve, they said, he said, they, she said he's very good at explaining stuff. That's what she said. She said Bill Clinton's very good at explaining stuff. <laughs> That's a long way of saying Bill Clinton's a good liar. One thing that everybody should pay attention to, Bill Clinton's economy was on the back of the collapse of the Cold War with the Soviet Union and the rise of the Internet. A kid with a binky in his mouth could have done a good job in that role. Now, what he did do, which is very important for our listeners to understand, he ended one Cold War and he gave the tools to our enemy in China to create a new Cold War that we are in right now specifically because of the actions of Bill Clinton. Who needs an Ethel Rosenberg when you've got a guy like Bill Clinton willing to hand over the secrets to our enemies? Yeah, and I just want to add, uh, apparently, according to Van Jones and former Governor Granholm there, if you're a great orator, uh, you deserve redemption from uh, being accused of sexual assault, right? That's right. So I don't, I don't yeah. know how that's going to fly in Me program, Too country, right. but... Which, which means that I'm fine in the long run, right? <laughs> it's the party of redemption. I mean, look at Senator Byrd, the conscious of the Senate, as Hillary Clinton called him. I, I couldn't even read his letter to the uh, board, the, the board of the military basically trying to draft him in 1948, the guy's a disgusting human pe being, but he was redeemed because he follows the, the proper playbook. We see this over and over again with the Democratic Party. I guess he'll pay a price 100 years from now like Wilson, but up until that time, he'll be a venerated member of their intercore. He won't be able to vote. Uh, do, 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 do we have any of the clips of any other the uh, permanent political class that talked last night? Do yeah. we have any other clips? Yeah, let's roll on to some, some, some more of it. In the next hour as well, Steve, I want to come back. Uh, to some of this stuff about the Clinton stuff, however, because we've got to remember where this began with the London School of Economics and Anthony Giddens and third way politics, right? It is the antithesis of economic nationalism. But let's roll into some of the other things that we heard last night. Specifically, uh, let's go with uh, the McCain clip eight. Thank you for your example and proud to remain the same good guy that you were when you first got here. Most of all, for your friendship, my life and the lives of many have been enriched by it. 
The lives of many have been enriched by it. Steve, the John McCain clip. Well, last look, night. this is. This, yeah, look, the McCain thing is particular. That's one of the reasons the President's in Yuma to talk about the wall. Also, Arizona's in play. You had uh, you had uh, Senator McCain's widow uh, there last night uh, talking and, and playing this clip. Look, uh, John McCain's a, a war hero. Nobody's questioning that. His his valor during Vietnam is is unquestioned. However, uh, his policies and particularly his defense policies, since he and Biden Biden was counsel was uh, chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations, and uh, McCain was over at the uh, House, uh, the Senate Armed Services. These two combined were a disaster. That's why NATO atrophied. That's why we had these failed, epic failures in the Middle East. These two guys bear as much blame as anybody. If that's what you want to go back to. If that's what's being sold, get to the specifics. Don't give me the buddy movie with the hugs, right? Talk to me about what you two guys did. This is about the managed decline of our country, yeah. and these two guys are at the tip of the spear on it. Let's roll clip seven just before we break. Let's roll clip seven. Today we are a country divided, and we have a president doing everything in his power to make it that way and keep us that way. What a difference it will make to have a president who unites us, who restores our strength and our soul. I still believe that in our hearts, we are the same America that brought my parents to our shores, an America that inspires freedom around the world. That's the America Joe Biden will lead as our next president. Thank you very much. Steve, when we come back, we've got only 20 seconds here, but when we come back, I want to get your thoughts on Colin Powell. We've got another clip from him as well that we want to play there, but I found that particularly galling, sure. the idea of uniting uh, behind uh, Joe Biden and, and Joe Biden what do you say restoring my soul i want joe biden to stay as oh, far away from my soul as he can possibly get we'll be back more war and pandemic in just a second